Squidward. Welcome to the night shift. A pleasant Sunday evening, everybody, and welcome into the MI6 Sports Network's late night sports talk show. And of course, folks, as we bring you all of the big news, highlights, big plays, and scores of your Sunday fun day in the NFL today, the NBA, and also in Major League Baseball. Welcome in, folks, to the night shift. This is episode number five, I believe, already of this late night program coming your way, folks, every Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday evening, late night. To recap all the big games, big plays, and big scores, and big news of your sports day. If you've been out and about, maybe you've been able to watch a lot of the action today. We do our best, folks, to come here every Tuesday, every uh, Saturday, and Sunday to talk all things going on in the wide world of sports and give you a Cliff Notes version of your sports day packed into about an hour and a half. As usual, folks, from the home studio in San Diego, California, Cal McClure joining you, as always, joined by our fellow co-host from the Garage Studio up in Fremont, California, that is Isaiah Leung. Isaiah, as always, man, thanks for hanging out and for being here. And of course, buddy, welcome to the night shift. How's it going tonight? Thanks, Cal. And I'm so thankful to be on the show tonight. Uh, you know, I had a Nick Mullins jersey on uh, pre-show, but I took it off and dumped it into the trash because I don't want to be associated with that crap anymore. So my $80 worth jersey is now in the garbage can. Uh for all the audience out there, feel free to comment down below if you want to buy it from me. Um, you know, that, that jersey's up for sale. I don't even know why I spent 80 bucks on that thing. Um, it was probably one, you know, we've, we've made a lot of foolish uh, uh, things, like decisions in our life when it comes to shopping. This would probably be on the top of my list when it comes to the most foolish things that I've ever bought in my life. But, you know, Cal and I, I'm not really doing that good tonight. You know, uh, the, as you know, the 49ers suffered a very disgraceful loss on Sunday Night Football in front of a national audience. My boy, Nick Mullins, the guy that I said uh, was going to be uh, the second coming of Tom Brady, and also he was way better than Jimmy Garoppolo. He lays a egg right on national TV and makes me look like a complete and you know now and he got benched in that game while throwing two or two three, yeah two interceptions uh makes me look like a complete idiot uh, and then the lakers they lose and uh even worse is that in fantasy football in our fantasy football league in our matchup between me and you i start nick Freaking Mullins over Josh Allen, who went for like 30-plus points and threw for four touchdowns and ran one in, while Nick Mullins only gets eight fantasy points. Un it's just it's just been a terrible day overall. But, Callum, uh, I got to debut something on the show. You know, we were talking about this yesterday. I have here McClurg Leong. 2020. That's right. Me and Callan are announcing that we are running for president of the United States and vice president of the United States uh, to give the audience another option this November. So please vote for us. <laughs> I, I love the idea, though. It's a, it's a pretty... Pretty good look. I don't mind the logo. It actually looks pretty pretty good. Uh, Isaiah actually designed a bunch of logos for all of the entire MI6 Sports Network uh, broadcast team. And 
behind the scenes uh, crew here. So uh, props to Isaiah for making that possible last night. But again, folks, um, once more as a reminder here, again, folks, is that, of course, um, we'll take your input, folks, like usual. Um, here throughout the course of the program. Now, folks, real quick, though, we, we, really, we really don't want to go down this path or have to really kind of enforce policies here. But we do, though, want to at least, though, folks, if you are, in fact, going to disagree or respond back to a fellow viewer, we ask that you please do so in a very respectful manner. We are, in fact, doing our best to keep this uh, show as professional as possible. So, uh, again, we, we don't mind if you guys disagree, but let's try and keep it as clean as possible uh, for, the, uh, for the viewers and for those, that, in fact, are listening live on the or uh, listening on the archive podcast too. So again, we totally folks will take all your input though, but let's uh, try and keep this somewhat uh, as close to professional as possible. Again, we don't mind um, uh, not disagreeing with anyone else, but also uh, let's try our best to keep it somewhat civil in our uh, live chat box here tonight. Let's get to some of the uh, late night hours real quick. Uh, Shardal is asking uh, you, Isaiah, can he buy the Mullins jersey off of you? Uh, I'm sure uh, you would do that in a heartbeat uh, unless it goes yeah. to eBay. Uh, Casey King staying up once more. Hi, guys. Good to be with you all again once more. Christy Wilson. Hi, guys. Good to see you. And uh, uh, Christy, I think, is uh, hinting at something here, Isaiah. Rocking some potential network merchandise, maybe. I mean, if not for 2020, maybe for 2024, if we go, if we do, in fact, go that far. Also today uh, in the chat box, Christy upset about her Browns, uh, the Browns uh, beating up on her Cowboys today. We'll talk about that game very shortly. Uh, Angel says the NFL paid tribute to the Arena League today. And also uh, Tyler Works says now that's an $80 shirt uh, in regards to you having the uh, McClurgley Young 2020 up there. Also, Casey says my Rams did not have the best game, but their defense got it done. Happy to be three and one. Nice to see the Rams in their new blue and gold unis. Again, I know that, of course, some people probably uh, threw some tomatoes at them for that rebrand earlier in the offseason, but it does look pretty killer. And James Gonzalez says, well, folks, I know who I'm voting for, dot, dot, dot. So uh, that gives us a vote of confidence for not this year, but maybe for 2024. <laughs> but with that, folks, Isaiah, I again, folks, here until at least uh, for the next hour or so. And again, we'll take your input, folks. But again, as a reminder, let's do our absolute best to kind of, to try to keep it as civil as possible. Again, trying to keep it as professional if we can. Uh, but again, we do not mind you guys disagreeing. But again, let's try our best to keep this somewhat on a level playing field across the board tonight. With that, Isaac, we'll get to the first game of our NFL coverage today. Again, four games that we'll get to today that are notable, at least in our minds. And, of course, Isaiah, up first is the Eagles and Niners from uh, Levi Stadium today up there in Santa Clara, California. Uh, for one, very boring, lackluster effort by both ball clubs at the uh, literally, folks, at the, uh, literally at the half. We're talking about an 8-7 Philadelphia lead at the half, but the Eagles win this ball game 25-20 over the uh, 49ers today on the road, nonetheless, in prime time from Santa Clara, which also, by the way, with that victory for the Eagles, they're now 1-2-1. One, and, one. and oh, by the way, they now take over first place in the NFC East Division, while the Niners and the loaded and very talented uh, NFC North now drop uh, their first game of the season. And Isaiah, I think, man, that you would agree. I think a lot of Niners fans would agree, though, man, in regards to this being a very lackluster boring snooze fest of a ball game again we're literally we're literally talking about a baseball score of eight to seven at halftime of this game you saw the eagles go for two on their first touchdown on the carson wins td uh george kittle was not really targeted as far as i can remember at least a lot of this ball game and as you also had pointed out though cj Beffer, uh, bethard replacing nick mullins after he threw two interceptions today in this ball game i think a lot of people would agree though 
Boring game, lackluster affair, two brutally bad ball clubs dealing with injuries across the board and just not the best one for people to be watching in primetime on uh, on NBC and on the Peacock Network with uh, Alan Chris tonight. But Isaiah, overall thoughts and reaction to, again, a very lackluster effort, I'd say, by both clubs, mainly more so the issues plaguing the Niners right now on offense with Nick Mullins uh, being benched in favor of C.J. Beathard in this ballgame. Where do I start, Callan? Um, I don't know. Where do you start? I, I got a lot to get off my chest, man. Um, let's get this out of the way first. I know a lot of folks probably are tuning into this show because they've heard me, you know, lead the Nick Mullins hype train the last uh, several weeks after the Jimmy Garoppolo injury. You know, I made a lot of comments hyping up Nick Mullins. I said that he was better than Garoppolo. I said that, um, you know, this would probably be like a Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady situation in which uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was like Drew Bledsoe. He gets knocked out. Nick Mullins comes in and then the rest is history. And, I hate to admit it, Callan. I, I really hate to admit it, but Nick Mullins is not starting quarterback material. He is not starting quarterback material. I'm going to admit it live on air. Jimmy Garoppolo is way better than Nick Mullins, and he needs to come back as soon as possible because if he doesn't come back as soon as possible, the Niners are most likely looking at uh, probably a top three pick in the coming NFL draft. Man, that, it was really hard just to say that, but Jimmy Garoppolo needs to come back uh, ASAP. But in terms of this game, Callan, this was a disgraceful loss for the 49ers. You know, I honestly don't believe that I just witnessed what I witnessed on Sunday Night Football. Maybe I'm having a bad nightmare right now, and I just can't seem to wake up from it. Um, I think you should try to use your phone right now and try to call me, and maybe it can wake me up and I can snap out of this horrific nightmare but the 49ers coming into this game they were the better team offensively defensively special teams wise and also coaching wise they, nothing Callan nothing nothing Oh, my God. But the 49ers, they were the better team. The Eagles, they entered this game winless. And Carson Wentz, you know, he was having a very bad start to the season. And all of his wide receivers and his playmakers were hurt. And also, you had rumors of Doug Peterson maybe being on the hot seat with the team, uh, how they've performed thus far. And then for you to go out on Sunday night football in prime time, and lay an egg like that and lose to this team, it's just downright inexcusable, unacceptable, and a total disgrace. You know, when you have a game like this, nobody can be absolved from blame. The blame has to go across the board. I think we should start with the obvious, and that was the offensive line. The 49ers' offensive line's performance tonight was putrid. No matter who was at quarterback for the 49ers, whether it was Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard, they didn't get any time to throw the football. And also, the 49ers running backs could not find any holes to run the football through tonight. There just wasn't any uh, good pass blocking and good run blocking by the 49ers offensive line. It was very dismal. Uh, they should honestly be given their walking papers tomorrow morning because I guarantee you this. My high school football team defensive line would have been able to push these folks and get to the quarterback tonight and stop the running back. That's just how it was tonight. It was a total disgrace for the deep, uh, the offensive line. And Jimmy Garoppolo, 
I guarantee you, I, I think he's looking at the, looking at it this way and be like, why should I come back next week against Miami when who knows with how bad this offensive line is right now for the 49ers? He could get re-injured. He could get re-injured, get knocked out, and you would be stuck with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard for the rest of uh, this season. So I really hope that Kyle Shanahan takes that into consideration. I hope that um, he – uh, maybe rest uh, Jimmy Garoppolo next week. Don't rush him back because if you're going to rush someone back on a bum ankle and with the offensive line being bad, I honestly could see disaster coming for Jimmy Garoppolo. And then you got to move to Nick Mullins. You know, this guy, this was his chance to shine. This was his chance to show the entire nation that he was worth all the hype that everybody on Facebook and Twitter were talking about. This was his chance to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but instead he goes out and lays an egg. He goes 18 for 26, 200 yards passing, one touchdown, two terrible interceptions, one in the red zone, which was absolutely horrific, and he gets benched midway in this game. Nick Mullins, I'm sorry, man. I love you, but you just lost your shot at being a starting quarterback in the NFL. And let's move to George Kittle. George Kittle, you have to catch that two-point conversion um, late in that game. You just have to catch it. The ball was thrown right to you. There is nobody next to you. The ball was right in your hands. You have to secure the catch because if you secure the catch, I guarantee you we would still be playing right now. And who knows? We would have gone to overtime because instead of C.J. Beathard late in that game needing to heave the ball down the field for a Hail Mary, he would have driven the 49ers into field goal range like they did, and they would have just kicked the field goal and go into overtime. And last but not least, Kyle Shanahan get, needs to absolve some of the blame because I really wish – when Nick Mullins was still in there, I really wish Kyle Shanahan would have called more RPOs instead of play actions. Because let's face it, the play action game wasn't working. The running game wasn't working. They should have called more RPOs, which Nick Mullins had a lot of success with uh, when the 49ers went into MetLife Stadium last week and completely drubbed the New York Giants. So I wish Shanahan would have done that more. And also, I really wish that Kyle Shanahan would have gone with more up-tempo like they did late in that game when C.J. Beathard came in. Because when you look uh, when C.J. Beathard came in, they went, went with more tempo, and it seemed like they had a lot of success going with tempo than going with the traditional huddle offense. You know, I think, Isaiah, there, there's there's blame cast across the board, I think, in, for this entire game on both sides of the ball, mainly with San Francisco. And again, I know that both these teams, though, they look like the walking dead. All these teams or both these teams are very banged up without a lot of star talent. Again, we saw Fletcher Cox also go down briefly for Philadelphia with the uh, cramp issue. But again, I do think, though, that probably the blame needs to be dispersed if it is going to go uh, be with San Francisco to everyone involved. This is a total team loss from coaches right down to the uh, backup quarterback and C.J. Beathard losing this ball game for San Francisco, in my mind. And also, I think that some blame could be cast as well on the Eagles for, again, maybe not playing uh, up to their full potential. I know that both teams are banged up and missing uh, players. A couple of thoughts, folks, in regards to a lot of things in the NFL. First, Angel says uh, that the Rams, uh, that should be the Rams uh, home uniform, leave the blue for their color rush. And also, please, uh, NFL, no more Niner primetime games versus Philly. They are cursed playing the Eagles. And he uh, makes a comparison to baseball. Phillies beat the Giants 8-7. to seven. Uh, So that is Gabe Kapler's old team beating his new team if that happens. 
Uh, Christy agrees. The Eagles better uh, enjoy being in first place in the crappiest division in the NFL because I don't think it will last. Angel also says fourth quarter had it there for a moment. Uh, James wants to uh, defer and say that George Kittle was not the problem in this game. Probably more to look at the quarterback situation more than anything else. Uh, also with that, uh, Casey says seven or nine could win the NFC East this year, and it will come down to between Philly and Dallas. And he thinks it'll be Dallas winning the um, uh, winning the NFC East division crown. Uh, Angel also says Mullins did okay until the fourth when he fumbled and threw the interception two backbreaking plays. Uh, and also Christy says, Isaiah, go buy yourself a Kittle jersey instead of a Nick Mullins jersey. Uh, also, Casey says two weeks from now, the Rams and Niners on Sunday Night Football. Oh, boy, that could be a very big implication game there. Also, James says not just that, though, but both offensive lines were awful in this game. Uh, Angel also agrees that Kittle should have caught the uh, caught the pass but Beathard should have ran the ball. He was uh, in the clear. And also, real quick, uh, Casey has a question for you, Isaiah. Who do you start at quarterback next week if Garoppolo cannot go uh, next week? We'll let, uh, I'll defer to you to answer the question. Um, first of all, before I answer that question, I want to respond to, uh, I think it was James that uh, said, uh, don't blame Kittle. I'm not blaming uh, Kittle for his uh performance Kittle was great tonight but you gotta catch that ball late in that game the ball was right in your hand and there was nobody um next to you to knock it away so you have to catch that ball and secure the catch to get that two-point conversion um but Callan back to the question about who should start if Jimmy Garoppolo is not available I really don't know I think at this point um because Beathard he's in his history he's had a track record of looking really really bad when the defense is given a week or two to study up on him so he's looked really bad Mullins you know the reason why a lot of 49er fans were on the Mullins bandwagon is because he has a quick release Beathard does not have a quick release he takes a long time to get that ball out um, but after the, tonight's performance and after how Beathard did late in the game, I think you have to go with C.J. Beathard. I really do because he's finished out. He, he was the one that finished out the game. Um, I think Mullins' confidence is like probably really shaken after his horrific performance tonight. So I think you have to go with Beathard no matter um, if uh, Mullins is – like a better quarterback at this point than uh, C.J. Beathard. And one last thing I got to add before we move on on the Niners is, Callan, you know, I told the folks earlier in my Facebook Live that I was going to bring a bottle of vodka to drink on this show, but unfortunately I only got water tonight because I got to stay sober for uh, this show and not say some crazy stuff and, may and let myself go viral all over the Internet. <laughs> so water for now until we're off air then he'll go grab a cold one probably and we'll chit chat about uh our upcoming week of programs when it's all said and done uh also real quick angel says george kittle and bit i'm gonna uh, assume he's making a comparison to the kibbles and bits dog food but having a little play on words with george kittle's name and also angel says since they're playing miami i would save jimmy g for snf versus lar coming up in a couple of weeks uh and chardal says he would start better back in place of Garoppolo as well. So I think a lot of us are in favor of C.J. Beathard uh, playing uh, quarterback for the Niners come next week against the Miami Dolphins uh, next Sunday. With that, Isaiah, next game on the docket here, man, the Browns and uh, Cowboys from AT&T Stadium today down there in Arlington, Texas, the upcoming side of the NLDS between the Padres and Dodgers. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. But Isaiah, 
the Cleveland Browns once again, man, go in or uh, play a ball game and win the damn thing, buddy. They went 49-38 while the Cowboys uh, just got annihilated. And I believe, man, too, their defense was Swiss cheesed in this ball game. Literally, man, I believe they gave up 307 yards of total offense, which I, which I also want to uh, say might be wrong on that, but I believe here it's well, uh, as well. It is the most uh, offensive yardage given up by the Cowboys, I believe, in their franchise history for a single game. I might be wrong on that stat. If someone could correct me on that, please let me know what it is. But Isaiah, Cleveland goes into the, uh, into Dallas. For one, they run a killer trick play with uh, OBJ being uh, open with a pass from a fellow wide receiver for a touchdown. He had a monster day. Even and, and sadly, Isaiah, to rub it into you, but I left OBJ on the fantasy bench. But Baker Mayfield, Trevor Williams' MVP of the season, steps up and delivers in that game. But also, though, Isaiah, I would say, though, while it's great for Cleveland, infuriating loss if you're a Cowboys fan, and uh, still, though, in the worst division in all the NFL right now, where no team is above 500 right now. And again, the Eagles, with them being 1 2 and 1, are in first place in the NFC East division. So with that in mind, uh, Isaiah, overall thoughts on a crazy loony game between uh, the Browns and the Cowboys today. And I think right now this, this game was the game of the year thus far. It was uh, the Browns roared out to a 31 to 14 lead at halftime. And then the Dallas Cowboys, as they have, as they have done multiple times this season, they came storming back. I think they, came to uh they closed in to within like three or four points uh in the fourth quarter of that game until uh the Odell Beckham Jr. miracle touchdown run. I mean it was just a miracle. So what happens is uh Baker Mayfield tosses it backwards to Odell Beckham Jr. and he's running backwards. It looks like it's like a 20 yard loss and somehow some way Odell Beckham Jr. gets out of it. Not only does he get forward to get yards, but he gets a touchdown. What I saw there was terrible tackling on the part of the Dallas Cowboys. It looked like to me that they had quit because they didn't give their full effort I saw on that play. And I just – it's the Dallas defense. That is what's going to hold the Dallas Cowboys back. They have a great offense led by Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and the crew. But the Dallas Cowboy defense is what is going to make or break – the Dallas Cowboys season because this is not the first game that they've given up this much points. They've given up this much points basically every game they played this season. And you cannot win in the playoffs if you give up 35 plus points a game. You just cannot. So the Dallas Cowboys, they have to fix that defense if they want to go where Jerry Jones thinks they can go, and that is the Super Bowl. Couple of comments here, real quick, Isaiah. Tyler's calling you out here. Yeah. Water, sure. I pulled that same trick in my 20s. Clear liquid in a bottle. Nobody will question. So you can get away with that, buddy. We won't question you there. Uh, Christy writes in to say, so mad about the game. The Browns went crazy. Uh, they really did, man. And honestly, you know, I, I know I say that a lot of people have been probably in a way a little bit lenient about picking Cleveland because we're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, though, if they have a bad game where Mayfield gets pissed off at himself or at his coach or at his teammates, OBJ goes into his little pouty mode uh, and stuff like that. But, man, they've held it together so far, so I'll give him props for that. 
Uh, Angel with the uh, good old Arena Football League reference here. The Gladiators beat the Desperados in this game. How about a throwback there? Christy agrees, though. Totally embarrassed, too, by the Cowboy defense. I believe, as I mentioned, folks, I believe that the 307 yards today given up by the Cowboy defense is the most given up in their franchise history, dating back 50 years, I want to say. So definitely rough day for sure at the office here for the Dallas defense. Also, Angel says everyone at 100%. And the Browns are a dangerous ball club. Definitely agree for sure. Also, Casey says the AFC North looking like the toughest division as uh, as all four clubs are pretty good right now. That includes Baltimore, Pittsburgh, uh, Cleveland, and even right now the Bengals, who, of course, are scuffling along right now at this juncture. Also, Angel said, um, hang on a second here, just a couple more comments um, rolling in very quickly here. Uh, Angel also said, rooting for Dallas because I don't want the Niners-Cowboys game to be flexed out in a couple of weeks. Also, Christy <laughs> says the Cowboys try to dig themselves out of an incredibly deep hole. They ended up in needs to stop. And I would agree, Isaiah, but it's two games in a row that they've done that against Atlanta last week and now against Cleveland this week. And also, she says the Cowboy defensive backs have made her really mad over the past several games as well. And I believe in a lot of... A lot of the banter I saw from my from my friends that are Cowboy fans, Isaiah, secondary play has been atrocious the past several weeks, if not all year so far for Dallas. Yeah, um, you're right. You know, the uh, the secondary has just been really bad this entire year. They've given up a ton of yardage, a lot of wide open receivers and tight ends every time you watch them play. I honestly think that, you know, I know that he's a toxic to a lot of teams, but, you know, if you want to win – Jerry Jones, I really think you have to go out and get Earl Thomas because you need to shore up that secondary uh, right now. Because if you don't, teams are just going to keep gashing you um, with the pass, and there's going to be nothing you can do. I don't care if your offense throws for like 500 yards or 600 yards and, you know, puts up like 35 points. If you're like giving up like 45 or 50 points a game, you're not going to win, and especially against the good teams. When you're playing teams like um, San Francisco, I know they don't have a good offense, but their defense was really good tonight. Uh, Seattle, um, the not the Rams, but the Green Bay Packers, all these good teams, they've got good defenses. They're not going to let your offense score over 30, 35 points. So if you dig yourself into an early hole, you're not going to be able to recover once you face these good teams. Yeah, you can't afford to fall behind early in ball games. Casey, further with more comments. The Cowboys need J.R. Irving, or uh, Ewing, I should say, to give them a pep talk, laughing out loud. Uh, Tyler says, Dallas's awful defense is going to make Prescott have to break all kinds of passing records just to keep the team competitive. Definitely agree, and I, he's looked stellar, but too bad that the defense can't hold their end of the bargain. But Christie agrees, though, or actually adds on to Tyler's point. Zeke was badly utilized. 54 rushing yards, unacceptable. Yeah, Definitely I agree. Yeah, man, that was really, really bad. But, Callan, I wanted to add one more point on the Cowboys and their defense, and that is Mike McCarthy. Why? What are you doing hiring Mike Nolan as your defensive coordinator? Because the last time Mike Nolan was a defensive coordinator, which I believe was like two, three years ago, his defense finished in the bottom tier of the NFL. This guy is like he's a good defensive coach, 
But he's not he's not a, let me rephrase that. He is not a good defensive coach. And you're seeing that right now. Players are all over the place. The defense is getting gashed. So I think Mike McCarthy made a terrible mistake by hiring Mike Nolan as his defensive coordinator. I think he should have gone uh, with someone else. There were a lot of good defensive coaches out there. I don't know why he picked Mike Nolan. More comments real quick from uh, one of our good loyal correspondents or uh, viewers. Hey, Seuss Blackman. Falcons must be defunded. If they lose tomorrow, they should be defunded. I definitely agree. James Gonzalez says Dallas spending all the money and picks on offense and nothing on defense. And this is what happens. And also he says, uh, Jesus says the Cowboys are very suspect as well. Uh, that brings us folks to a poll question, courtesy of the, of the network. What's the more embarrassing loss? The Lakers oh. losing to Miami or the Niners losing to the Eagles? Comment below and vote in the Facebook live poll. Uh, running right now over on the MI6 viewing page. Also, Angel says he's waited since uh, waited since 89 for a Cowboys-Niners primetime game. Uh, Christy, though, wants to defer away uh, from uh, wants to defer away from uh, the Earl Thomas talk here, Isaiah. Player like Thomas is not going to solve all of their defensive problems. Definitely agree on that. And also as well. Uh, we'll go how things are going on. And also, Jesus says, love the show. Great chemistry and a salute to Stephen Wang as well. Stephen, of course, is actually not on this program. You can catch him, though, every Thursday right here on the six on Fan Response. And also, Jesus says a salute to the Asian Skip Bayless as well. So definitely everyone getting in some good love here tonight on the show. With that, Isaiah, next game we'll get to uh, uh, right here and right now, man. Uh, Chargers and Buccaneers today from Raymond James Stadium down there in Tampa, Florida. Looked good for the Chargers, but sadly, Isaiah, you know, man, it, the, uh, the the song goes, uh, the Vikings lose again, but sadly, man, the Chargers lose again. The Chargers lose again. 60 years of losing. The Chargers lose again as they again, though, Isaiah, new, you know, new city, same old Chargers. They blow a humongous lead to Tom Brady and they end up falling short. 38-31 Tampa Bay over the uh, L.A. Chargers as uh, Tom Brady once again sticks it to the Chargers with a five-touchdown game, leading the comeback trail as Justin Herbert. Sadly, though, Isaiah has looked promising, but, man, he's on a ball club that does not know how to finish off a game or finish off holding on to a lead. Uh, Isaiah, overall thoughts on a tremendous comeback once again by Tom Brady as Tampa Bay now moves on to 3-1. and one with a 38-31 victory over the Chargers. Callan, when I was watching this game today, um, I thought of you because I thought, you know, with your grudge and not just you, but all of the people of San Diego's grudge on the Chargers after, you know, they skipped town and, you know, the, just watching the Chargers continuously in late games fall flat on their face must be feeling really good for you guys. You guys must feel like you guys won the Super Bowl after uh, what the Chargers did today. Uh, the Chargers defense, I mean, like they have Joey Bosa, right? And Melvin Ingram. And throughout this entire day, Tristan Wirfs, the Buccaneers' talented first-round pick, the left tackle, was making Joey Bosa look like a rookie. I mean, I think it was in the fourth quarter when uh, the Buccaneers were going on that drive to take the lead after they had been down 24-7. to And Tristan Wirfs absolutely pancaked Joey Bosa. I mean, it was really embarrassing if you're a Chargers fan. Um, it's just like you said, Callan, 
the Chargers, they just can't seem to get out of their own way and close it out in late game situations. You got to put the Chargers in with the uh, the Falcons of the world uh, in terms of co- uh, choking games late, whether it's missing field goals or you know defense just not showing up and giving up uh, five to, or. Yeah, three, four touchdowns of Tom Brady late. But this was vintage Tom Brady. I think this was what we expected to see when Tom Brady signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He didn't have one of his top weapons and Chris Godwin today, but no problem. He was just airing it out, torching this Chargers defense. Uh, Mike Evans looked really good, even though he was battling injuries. Rob Gronkowski had a great catch late in that game that really sealed it. Um, and, you know, the running back, uh, Ronald Jones, he ran really well. So, I think it was a great, great win by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady, uh, after, you know, the game one loss in which a lot of people question whether, you know, Tom Brady, uh, if he was done or not, he's looked really, really good the last several weeks. And it just goes to show you how much uh, the lack of training, the the lack of training camp was the uh, real reason why Tom Brady and the Buccaneers fell flat on their face in uh, the game one loss of the Saints. And they picked it up for sure after, you know, the, uh, the last several weeks. A couple of comments here about the ball game. But first, Angel actually responded about the poll question. He says the Niners were more embarrassing losing the night. Expected the Heat, uh, or he expected the Heat to beat the Lakers tonight. So I think it's a fair assessment. James Gonzalez, so happy the Chargers lost, as am I, of course, whenever the Chargers lose. 60 years of losing, continuing on and on. But the Lightning Bolts up there in Inglewood, California. Angel also says Chargers, Niners, Lakers lost. Drinking cold coffee for my sorrow today. Uh, Casey says the renters defense is so awful. They need to sell the team and move back to San Diego or go elsewhere. We'll see what happens. I doubt it happens. So sadly, Angel also says Padres in the DS chargers lose best week ever for San Diego sports. Also, Casey agrees. Don't be surprised though. If Anthony Lynn is fired somewhere down the road, that is probably, uh, I mean, I don't know about that just by the sake of them having to roll out their rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert, who's looked great. Just too bad they can't hold on to leads. And also, uh, Casey says the Chargers are becoming a uh, are uh, more of a joke than, uh, of L.A. sports than the L.A. Clippers in his mind. L.O.L. Definitely agree. I mean, you know, the Clippers, uh, the Chargers, you know, for uh, that's probably about it for right now. Um, Angel says maybe it'll happen if uh, they're if they go three and eight and also blame Dean Spanos. I do, in fact, do that. And Tyler agrees, Chargers finding a way to blow it, a tradition like no other. Also, uh, via the page, can you folks name us a major American city with no professional sports teams, NFL, NHL, MLB, or the NBA? Give that a whirl and we'll uh, see what we got here. But I say once that uh, wants to uh, make a point, what do you got for us, man? Yeah, two points. Uh, number one, as a 49ers fan, I need to apologize for uh, beating you guys in the Super Bowl when they were called the San Diego Chargers and causing you guys so much heartbreak. Apologize for that. Hopefully uh, there's no hard feelings. But uh, my the second point I got to add is about the firing of Anthony Lynn. I don't know if it's going to happen because, uh, you know, like, you know, with young quarterbacks, organizations, they don't want to fire a coach uh, midseason or end of the year and make that 
quarterback have to learn another offensive system and learn uh, another coaching staff's expectations. So I don't know if they would want to do that. Plus, they gave Anthony Lynn, if I'm not mistaken, an extension when he uh, took the Chargers to the playoffs a couple of years ago. So they might still be on the hook for a lot of money. And the Chargers are a cheap organization. They're not going to want to eat a lot of money to get rid of Anthony Lynn. But if they do get rid of Anthony Lynn, I think the Chargers need to go with a guy like an Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator um, that can help uh, develop your young quarterback in Justin Herbert. Definitely agreed for sure. Also, some more thoughts here. Tyler got one of those cities correct. Honolulu is definitely one of the cities that does not have any professional sports other than the colleges. Angel uh, with a great point here. Spanos wanted to erase San Diego history. Just look at how they uh, wish the Dodgers well in the postseason. And typically, if the Chargers do, in fact, wish you good luck, you're bound to lose. So I'm sorry for the Dodgers' sake because they did that for the, uh, I believe the, uh, I believe the Chargers also did that for the Kings, and I believe for someone else, and they all lost in the postseason. So uh, the Charger curse could perhaps be real, but I honestly doubt it because the Padres have too many questions right now with the rotation. Casey, though, with a very good point, though. Herbert is going to be a good QB, but knowing the renters, they will lose him in the future like they did Drew Brees. So definitely agreed for sure uh, as well. But again, the uh, Bucks coming back to beat the Chargers 38-31. And yes, the Chargers lose again. 60 years of losing continuing on and on for the Spanos family and the now Los Angeles Chargers. Ugh, I'm going to go and puke when the show's over. Uh, last uh, one here, Isaiah. The Colts and Bears today, a battle of 3-0 ball clubs. But sadly, man... The Chicago offense, very anemic on this Sunday as the Colts uh, are able to chop down the Bears today, 19-11, to up in a very spirited affair from Soldier Field in Chicago today as the Bears offense is not able to uh, get any points other than a field goal and one very late touchdown in this ballgame. But the uh, Colts, though, got the first uh, TD and uh, kept the Bears offense at bay today. But Isaiah more so, I'm not looking at this as a quarterback controversy now uh, in Chicago. I look at today, though, being more so on Matt Nagy's play calling. I don't think I have seen seen a coach call so many, you know, check downs, so many, you know, uh, short passes. And, man, just, you know, a lot of incompletions, overthrowing receivers, you know, balls being batted down. And really, man, a very rough day for offense across the board. If you were looking for offense, definitely not the place to come to as the Bears, again, fall 19 to 11. But I look at this game, though, man, and more so. Mainly with Chicago, because I know a lot of people are probably saying they might be the worst three and one team right now. I think they are because they really, they really should be maybe one and three, two and uh, two and two, maybe, maybe zero oh and three, or maybe even zero oh and four, especially after coming off of that comeback over Atlanta. But Isaiah, very lackluster effort in this game too. As again, uh, the Colts mainly getting the first touchdown and then field goals on every drive. But I, uh, but more so, man, the I would say like right now the frustration, at least right now with me is more along the lines of the offensive play calling more than it is, in my mind, about the offense. I think that, you know, Foles, a uh, full-time starter now for the foreseeable future for the uh, for the Bears. But, you know, the offense, you know, I, I tweeted this a lot today in my game thread. The defense for Chicago did their job, but the offense could not get the engine started. And it did, when, it, when it was started, it was a uh, interception late in the game that was the, like the only really good drive the Bears sustained on offense. And also the late touchdown to Allen Robinson. So Isaiah, again, very rough day if you're looking for offense. Certainly not a missed ball game. 19 to 11 Colts over Chicago from Soldier Field. Isaiah, give us your thoughts here again, man. Like I said, though, very rough day if you were looking for offense. And this was definitely not the game to look for offense in. 
Well, Callan, now I realize why you're wearing a black shirt. It's because, you know, and I should have followed through with it as well, but unfortunately I'm wearing white, but you're wearing a black shirt because this show was supposed to be a funeral. You know, my team lost in disgraceful fashion. Your team couldn't even get a first down to save their life. I mean, both of our teams, like, you know how we, like, were joking in our group chat about, you know, thank goodness uh, there wasn't a uh, COVID didn't cancel the season or cancel this week in the NFL. Well, I think uh, me and you probably wish that uh, both of our teams uh, didn't play today so we don't have to – so we didn't have to watch those disgraceful performances. But you're right, man. You know, your defense gave you guys every shot to win this game. Uh, Phillip Rivers – your defense held him to 16 of 29 passing, 190 yards only, and one touchdown. When a quarterback only throws for 190 yards, you should win that game. And it's just, just a shame that you didn't win that game. You know, I've always thought that it wasn't the quarterback. It wasn't Trubisky uh, that was bad or, you know, your quarterback that was bad as to why you guys were losing games. I thought it was because of Matt Nagy. You know, Matt Nagy, I believe, should have been fired last year. The offense looked really inept last year. And, you know, a lot of people gave him excuses like, oh, it's uh, Trubisky's fault. Fine. You get another quarterback and it's the same result. So I don't believe it's the quarterback's fault. I think it's because of Matt Nagy and it's just terrible play calling. I think Furman Lee, uh, one of our members here on the MI6 Sports Network, mentioned this in our group chat today. Matt Nagy just runs a lot of plays through his running back and it's very, very frustrating. He never opens up the offense and never uh, dials up plays deep. So that's what's really frustrating about the Bears offense. It's been like this since, uh, I believe, uh, back when you guys made the playoffs, it was like this. Matt Nagy needs to go, man. There has to be another coach in Chicago uh, to help develop whoever that is going to be your guys' next quarterback. Because if Matt Nagy is going to be there, the offense is going to continue to stink, and you're going to waste – the primes of Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith and uh, the talented defense that you guys have, because we know a talented defense can only get you so far if your offense doesn't produce. Well, then again, Isaiah, I wear black shirts very often because it's what I mainly have in my wardrobe. By the way, it's a pretty cool one. It's actually for Marvel comics, but it's uh black widow spy services. It's actually when I got off one of those like graphic tea stores on the, on the web. Uh, so that's what uh, I, I wear black, like almost every, program though it's just what i have in my closet uh but also uh, more so isaiah in regards to the game today you know i agree though it's mainly not about you know trubisky or on foals but more so as you had probably called it a few weeks ago man a very vanilla offense you know it's not really opening up the playbook you know it's not me opening up my script here you know where i have a couple of notes written down but it's just more so the one page that i've been looking at all night and stuff of that nature with Matt Nagy. So I, I more so think it is more about the play calling in a game like this more than it is on Foles or on Trubisky of the starting quarterback. And again, like I, like you said, though, and even though we talked before the show, uh, maybe even as well as that, you know, Roquan Smith had an interception turned over because he was out of bounds. And the only two sustained drives the Bears had an offense, one was an interception with the with the game still within reach, and then the touchdown to Allen Robinson, as I, alluded, as I uh, had alluded to, earlier on in the segment here. Uh, but again, the Colts win 19 to 11 over Chicago. A couple of comments rolling in about this game or in general, I should say first to case uh, first uh, who was first here. Uh, Angel 
Uh, this is back about the Chargers wishing the LA Kings good luck in the postseason. He says they did, and the Kings were blown out in the postseason that year. Also, Casey says, funny how he jumped on the Dodger bandwagon as uh, Spanos also ripped the club in the past. Well, as they, you know, as they're trying to, you know, say, you know, hey, we never played in San Diego. Don't don't worry about that. You know, we're happy here in Los Angeles. We don't have any fans. Uh, Angel says that's why I don't call them Los Angeles. Uh, that's also why people don't call the Angels Los Angeles either. Neither do I. I avoid saying uh, the L.A. Angels or Los Angeles Angels as often as I can. Uh, Casey says, I was hoping that the Bears would have been unbeaten when they uh, play Monday Night Football in so uh, at SoFi against the Rams. I was actually planning on going to that game until the pandemic hit, sadly. Uh, also, some other news here, uh, or not news, but comments here. Uh, at this time, he says, yeah, he blasted L.A. Now he's kissing up. Yeah, it sounds like the Spanos family to me. Uh, also, uh, Angel says, despite the loss, he thinks the Bears will still be 10-6. and six. Uh, That is feasible. I think that it's possible... Uh, depending though, I think a lot of it rides though on how Green Bay plays and how they play against the Packers. That'll be a very good measuring stick game for Chicago. And also KC chimes in. The Bears have had a very uh, have not had a good offense since the '80s when they had the uh, Monsters in the Midway back in '85. The, the Super Bowl shuffling Chicago Bears in '85 beating the Pats. Uh, James and says suddenly color does not seem so bad, huh? Bear fans. Eh, I still couldn't stand Jay Color when he was in Denver. And when he was in Chicago either. Uh, also in the chat, Shareable Steve. The Seahawks will sweep the Niners this season. Then they'll finish 9-7 and seven at best this year. Also, Angel says, guess John Gruden and the Raiders knew what they were doing when they uh, traded Matt to Chicago, possibly. Uh, uh, Tyler is still trying to uh, nitpick at that question Stephen had asked in regards to the markets or big cities without pro sports. He's got Omaha. Albuquerque and Little Rock, if any of those count as a major city. And then Angel, in regards to Looney Sports names, he always calls them California with the Angels. That's the name that I grew up with. I grew up with the Anaheim Angels in 1997 and 1998. Uh, with that, Isaiah wanted to add on to the Bears and Colts game. What do you got for us, man? Yeah, um, so the Bears, I got to not only blame Matt Nagy, but I got to blame Ryan Pace as well. I don't think Ryan Pace has done a good job of getting offensive weapons for the Chicago Bears. Because if you look at this team right now, Allen Robinson, he's a good receiver, but he's not a typical number one on any other team besides the Bears. And then you move on to Darnell Mooney. I, I honestly haven't even heard of the guy before I looked at his name over here. Jimmy Graham, the last time Jimmy Graham was relevant was when he was uh, with the New Orleans Saints. And then you have guys like David Montgomery, who's okay. Ted Ginn Jr., he's known for, for uh, more of being a kick returner. Cordero Patterson, yeah. Cordero Patterson, he's known for being a, a kick returner as well. He's not really known for receivers. I just think that it's Matt Nagy's vanilla offense, and it's also the fact that Ryan Pace has done a really bad job of going out and getting offensive talent uh, for the Chicago Bears uh, at the cause of the Chicago Bears' uh, problems. And the last – is, uh, the last thing I gotta say is, hey, Callan, who knows? Maybe you can be like Peter Griffin and tell the Bears, you know, you want to call plays for them and wear that, uh, you know, Denny's menu or whatever with the headset <laughs> and call plays. I think you would do a better job. Red right eighty eight on two. I said red right eighty eight on two. Break. <laughs> uh, James has a question for us. Um, Isaiah about the Bears. We'll go to you on this one first. How long before Allen Robinson III asked to be traded from Chicago? What do you think? 
Um, I think that he'll probably be asked. Uh, he's going to ask to be traded probably before the trading deadline, honestly, because this has been simmering for a long, long time. He, I think he asked, uh, he wanted to be traded um, in the first week of the season. I know my 49ers had some interest in getting him, but it's the contract, man. I know he signed a really lofty contract, so I don't know if uh, the Bears would be inclined to trade him simply because they have him under contract for many years and he has to play that contract out. Yeah, I don't see it happening unless the record gets worse out of control. I mean, they're three and one somehow yeah. after surviving a couple of very, you know, dreadful starts and, you know, a couple of comebacks and, of course, beating Atlanta. And then they kind of go out there and the offense just is so lackadaisical and fell asleep at the wheels. Isaiah wrote to me in the group chat earlier in the day. But again, folks, uh, I mean, uh, honestly, James, perhaps if the record gets worse, maybe if they kind of keep changing out uh, quarterbacks. I, I don't see Robinson being dealt yet unless the Bears record gets way out of control uh, and they start losing to Minnesota or Green Bay or, you know, things of that nature. But it's possible. But right now, I don't see it being feasible at this time. It's just my honest opinion. But maybe we'll see how things, in fact, go. And also, Angel says uh, real quick, I believe this was actually a uh, conversation, but yeah, it's a conversation between Casey and Angel about the Raiders. Uh, more so about John Gruden having that 10-year contract with Vegas. Uh, and uh, he says, true, and if Al Davis was alive, he would have fired Gruden already again for the second or third time, it seems like, in his life. But again, folks, Indianapolis over Chicago, 19 to 11, a spirited affair uh, for uh, for us here at this point in time uh, <laughs> with the uh, games today in the NFL. The, I just want to say one last thing. The Raiders, um, their problem is not offense. It's their defense. Their defense, yes. just like the Cowboys, is really, really bad. And I think you need to start looking at uh, the job of defensive coordinator Paul Gunther and whether or not he should be on the hot seat. Because he's been there three years. And they've gotten talent for him on the defensive side of the ball. And they haven't improved any bit. Uh, on defense, I think they're still like one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Definitely agree. I mean, I think Dallas and Vegas need to reevaluate their options on defense right now uh, for uh, that. But again, folks, week four of the NFL season coming to a close. And by the way, folks, as a scheduling reminder for you, we have two games on uh, Monday Night Football coming up on Monday again, as mentioned, due to uh, the issues with COVID-19. Again, we'll have the uh, Chiefs playing the Pats in the first game tomorrow. And also as oh, well, we'll have, we'll have Atlanta facing Green Bay on ESPN. And also, Casey agrees with you, Isaiah. The Raider defense is awful. And they look very – and I think it went from bad to worse this week as opposed to maybe in recent weeks in my mind as well. With that, Isaiah, uh, shifting gears to the hardwood, game number three of the 2020 NBA Finals brought to you by YouTube TV down in the bubble in Orlando, Florida. Uh, all Miami in this game, folks, as the uh, Heat come out and punch the Lakers back. one uh, 115. 104 in favor of Miami, led by a 40-point effort by uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Butler today, as again, the Heat were, uh, were once again without Bam Adebayo and also without Goran Dragic due to, again, the injury suffered in game one by both of those players. And Isaiah, you know, you made, a, you made one great uh, observation last night or on, a, uh, on Saturday back here on the night shift was unless Miami made their threes and got up to a hot start, they were not going to win the ball game, and yet they did, in fact, get out to another hot start here. And also, as well, is that they couldn't miss tonight. And the Lakers, for the fourth round again, they have thrown a game away, probably by the wayside. Where again, they they dug themselves their own ditch. 
and couldn't climb out of it. They got close, but never were able to really get over that hump, sadly, in the ball game tonight. But again, though, Isaiah, you know, I know, I know a lot of people are, are going to talk about the Lakers, man, but honestly, hats off to Miami. You know, here's a team much like Denver who has not yet go, uh, gone away in the throughout the finals. Miami has not gone away. They're a lot like Denver. They've not gone away. And of course, without their two big guns, though, Jimmy Butler, I know he's been very, you know, heavily criticized for his roles in Minnesota, in Philadelphia, but this guy can, but, but honestly though, Isaiah, this guy knows how to lead a team in the postseason, And he showed out today uh, in regards to, you know, four, you know, 40 points. And again, really just putting this team on his back and delivering their first counterpunch in the series. But again, of course, Isaiah, I know a lot of people are going to talk about the Lakers though, but honestly, Isaiah, this is more so about Miami. I think more so than uh, the Lakers losing this. Cause I think that eventually that Laker fans knew very well, though, there was probably going to be one throwaway game here. I think one of my uh, fellow um, hosts, uh, Ron uh, Ron Davis, said the best. There, uh, he pretty much called this a gentleman sweep. You lose one game and then you come back and win the next two games. But Isaiah, overall thoughts though about this game? I mean, I'm sure it's going to be you know probably more on the Lakers of coming out. You know, probably like eh, we'll we'll get him next time, pretty much. But I think it's more. I think it's more honestly, in my mind, in my opinion, this is more about Miami coming out and punching back with a vengeance in this game tonight. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, Miami played like a team that they needed this win bad. This was like the third game seven. If they didn't win this, they were done. There's no way Miami was going to come back from a 3-0 deficit. So you had to win this game. So the Miami Heat played like their backs were against the wall, and this was game seven. Uh, they came out very uh, hot and on fire. Jimmy Butler, I mean, the guy is a dog. This guy doesn't care what anybody else thinks or says about him. This guy put the Miami Heat on his back and willed them to a victory. He was driving into the paint, getting fouls or getting easy shots. He was doing uh, – he was – um, you know, performing great defense on LeBron James, Anthony Davis, whoever he was guarding. The guy went for 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists, a triple-double, absolute dog. And then you talk about guys like Tyler Hero. This is a rookie we're talking about. This is the first NBA Finals, and he comes out after having two bad games to start the Finals. He comes out with 17 points off the bench. Uh, hitting clutch threes in that fourth quarter. And then you look at guys like uh, Kelly Olenek, a guy that was, you know, banished on Miami's bench, didn't really play a whole lot in that first uh, couple of games. He comes out with 17 points uh, for the Miami Heat off the bench, played 31 minutes. Jay Crowder, 12 points. But this was the Jimmy Butler show, man. Jimmy Butler played like a guy who was on a mission. He played like a guy um, – who needed, who really, really needed to this win. And, you know, that's why the Miami Heat got this win because of Jimmy Butler. But I got to say this, the Lakers, they look like a team tonight that had bought into all the media talk about how, you know, they were easily going to win and it was going to be a, uh, an easy sweep for the Lakers. They just needed to show up to the arena and they would easily get that number 17 championship. They played like that. And, uh, they were reminded that, you know, you cannot – I don't care, like, how good you are. it You cannot show up to an arena with a lackadaisical mindset and a mindset that says, oh, yeah, we're going to just show up and we're going to win this game and expect to win a game. That's not going to happen. So the Lakers, they got to play better in game four. That's going to be a very pivotal game because if Miami can somehow, some way – 
uh, Jimmy Butler. I'm never going to count him out ever again. If he can some, somehow, some way, pull this out for the Miami Heat and tie this series, then the Lakers, they're gonna, they're, they'll be in a tough spot. They'll win that series still, I believe. But you do not want to have Miami tie this series and have all the pressure, which is already on Miami, get thrown back to your side. Yeah, I think this puts a bit of pressure on the Lakers, not a lot of it, Isaiah, because, again, we've seen this, though, in regards to the previous rounds. We've seen the Lakers come out sluggish in Game 1 against Portland and in Houston against Houston, Game 3 against Denver, and now I think, Isaiah, it's, it's, just, it's all part of the master plan for the Lakers right now in my mind. You know, kind of give them a game, you know, and I even think, though, Isaiah, you know, Kobe Bryant even said this, you know, the late great Kobe Bryant said this about Phil Jackson one time when the Lakers were – on that very big run uh, when they were playing the Pacers, I think. And Kobe said that they had a 2 nothing lead against the Pacers in the uh, 2000 finals. And um, Kobe, of course, sprained his ankle uh, that game. They go to Indianapolis, and Phil says, nah, man, sit this game out. I think we're good to lose one. And Kobe thought he was crazy, but what did they do? They lost game three and won the next two to, you know, or ne uh, next three to uh, win the series still and win their first title. So I think it's probably all a part of the Zen master plan, even though Phil's not coaching the Lakers anymore but as mentioned though I, I do think though that uh obviously that the lakers will probably go back and you know reevaluate stuff though but i will say though this game in my mind this game honestly in my opinion was over in the first quarter so many sloppy passes turnovers way too you know way too fancy a play by the lakers in this game and it showed the night that you can't do that and uh, get back on the winning ways uh, some thoughts real quick uh isaiah to go back to your thoughts about the raiders James agrees that Gunther has got to go. Defensive free agents aren't working well. No way my Raiders are making the postseason in his mind either. And also the poll results in regards to the more embarrassing loss from the night, the uh, Lakers losing to Miami or the Niners losing to Philadelphia, a tie 50-50 in regards to the results of the poll. Also some more thoughts here real quick as well. Uh, hang on here, losing my place with some uh, some of the more comments rolling in real quick. A lot of these are uh, more so replies to uh, thoughts about uh, Monday Night Football broadcast teams. I do, in fact, love those. Uh, Christy says real quick, maybe the Heat uh, might make this interesting. You never know. I mean, I, perhaps I think it's more about the Lakers just probably a gentlemental sweep in my mind more than anything else, though. You give them a game and then you come back and win the next two. Also, Angel says, I knew the Heat would win the night. It's game four that I'm more concerned about. I think a lot of people would agree, though, because now, as Isaiah said, though, that momentum could shift back to being on the Lakers. They come out slow in game four. Uh, Steven wants to uh, give props to our man, Martin Garcia, for believing in the Heat all year long. Uh, I would also say Isaiah deserves a bit of credit, though, for seeing that they were going to win the Eastern Conference title earlier on on Carpool Chats many months ago before I knew anybody with uh, the MI6 Sports Network. And also, Steven says both Butler and Hero rose up to the challenge. And but, but with that being said, Lakers in five, 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 and five. Oh, God. The Subway $5 footlong song is coming back. The Watt family has entered the group chat. <laughs> uh, one more poll here, folks. It's being run right now over on the uh, network uh, Facebook page. Who's the better player, Paul Pierce or Jimmy Butler? Comment uh, comment below and vote in the live poll questions. That definitely is going to be uh, the thing here. And also, real quick, uh, Casey says, originally had the Lakers winning it in six and going to stick with it. Not surprised that Miami won the ball game tonight. And also, Angel says, um, 
used to beg his folks to let him stay up past his bedtime so he can also watch Monday Night Live back in the day. And Chardol says heat in six, 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 and six. Not the best time to be having six, 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 and six uh, here with it being October the 4th. So we'll stay as far away from that one as possible at this juncture. But again, folks, the heat over the Lakers, 115-104. Uh, to get one game back, they now trail two games to one in the series. But we'll, we'll go back to Isaiah, who wants to add on to his point about this ball game here tonight. Yeah, um, two things that I really noticed from this game is that if Anthony Davis gets into foul trouble early on like he did tonight, the Lakers are in trouble. Because if you watch tonight's game, without AD, the Lakers' offense just couldn't get anything going. And their defense was really bad without Anthony Davis. So if Anthony Davis cannot get into foul trouble early in this game, and I think you also have to give credit uh, where credit is due to Kyle Kuzma. You know, this guy's been hearing a lot of noise that's been going on. I think uh, one of our uh, – John Mathis, our fellow um, Wild Sports Talk co-host, he posted something on Facebook that Laker fans had actually started a petition to not give Kyle Kuzma his uh, championship ring if the Lakers do, in fact, win the title because they don't think he's yes, worth it. I see what? Yes. Yeah, it's a really disgraceful petition. I think right now over a thousand people signed it. Those people that signed it, they're not true Laker fans because they don't know um, what Kuz has really uh, done for the Los Angeles Lakers. I know he has struggled, but he has had his moments in the playoffs and also in the regular season. Plus, he's also been here through the rough times. And tonight, he showed out. The guy had 19 points off the bench in 23 minutes of play. He was very efficient. So I think that he heard all that noise and used all that noise as motivation to play really good tonight. So credit goes to you, Kyle Kuzma, for showing up. I'm shocked Danny Green's not on that petition because you wanted me to play for the Lakers on Friday uh, on no BS. I had that Nash jersey behind me somewhere if I would need to put that on again. And and, uh, and say, maybe you maybe you still do because Danny Green only had two points and was like 0 for 8 from three-point range. I know I had a brick counter going in the MI6 uh, host group chat earlier in the night, so we'll see how, in fact, things go. My goodness gracious. And Stephen replied back to Chardal, he is wrong, wrong, wrong and wrong we'll see if in fact though it happens but um i do think though that if that the lakers i think the lakers are feeling a very small amount of pressure because now now it's one lead but at the same time though isaiah i think kobe just wants to see these guys play you know a bit longer than four games in my mind is what i'm thinking here and also christy says a petition kuzma has been a stud all season in her opinion i would agree and he's like the last of that young core that we all talked about for like the past five or seven years with the Lakers to get this uh, franchise back on the map. And he's the last uh, lone survivor of uh, Ball and Hart and uh, Ingram and those guys that have uh, stood the test of time so far. So I would agree on that as well. With that, Isaiah, final topic for the night here, man. The baseball playoffs roll on into Monday and Tuesday with the divisional series round taking place in Los Angeles, San Diego, Arlington, and in Houston during the course of the week here, as mentioned, as uh, again, folks, as uh, uh, all the ball clubs have, in fact, had to go into a bubble environment uh, due to, of course, the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. And again, uh, ball uh, games being played or series being played at four different ballparks, uh, mainly right now. Again, two in Southern California and two in Texas as well. Uh, so with that, Isaiah, the ALDS kicks off on Monday. Again, A's and Astros, uh, Yanks and Rays will get the uh, postseason uh, round two underway. 
Uh, Isaiah, give us your thoughts on both these series in regards to both Tampa and New York and, again, Houston and your hometown Oakland A's. Uh, do you want me to give my prediction as well for those series? You can if you want. It's up to you. All right, perfect. Um, so for the A's and Astros series, I was really shocked this morning when Dusty Baker announced that uh, the two starters that are going to be starting games one and game two of the series will be Lance McCullers Jr. and Framber Valdez. I 1,000% was sure that Zach Greinke would start one of the first two games, and it's really shocking that he isn't. Uh, the A's announced that Chris Bassett, our top pitcher this year, and also Sean Manaya, who was really good in the second half of this season, uh, he will start uh, – Game two, Bassett starts game one. I think with no Grinky being available for the first two games, the A's have to take advantage because McCullers, even though he's been okay this season, he's been inconsistent. Valdez is young. He's been inconsistent. He hasn't felt what playoff pressure truly is. So the A's have to capitalize on this. They must capitalize. Their offense needs to do what they've been doing all season long, which is grinding out at bats, wearing out the starting pitchers out, and then going to that atrocious Astros bullpen. That has got to be the recipe for success for the Oakland A's. They have. To, I think the A's have to at least win one of the first two games because if you go down to these two McCullers and Valdez and you get Granky in game three, you can kiss it goodbye. The series will be over, but I think the A's will in fact uh, come up big because we know they've been wanting this series against the Astros since the season started. Uh, I think they're going to take the first two games against McCullers and Valdez. I think Bassett's going to have a very dominant performance tomorrow. I think he's going to go like seven shutout innings against that powerful Houston Astros lineup, and I think that I'm going to go with the Oakland A's winning it in game four against the Houston Astros, and for the Yankees and Rays, I think this series is going to go the distance. I think you're going to see a lot of tension between these two teams. Um, I think it's going to be great pitching of the Tampa Bay Rays versus great hitting for the New York Yankees. I can't wait to see this matchup. Uh, I think it's going to come down to uh, how uh, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton does for the New York Yankees because those are two, you know, they're the catalyst for the New York Yankees. They are the uh, where, wherever the New York Yankees go, it's where Judge and Stanton takes them. If Judge and Stanton goes cold, the Yankees offense goes cold, and the Yankees suck. So it's where Judge and Stanton go, the Yankees go. My big question is, the pitching for the Yankees, because you have Garrett Cole, right? You have Masahiro Tanaka. Who is after those guys? Who is your three, four, or even five starters uh, when it gets to that far? Because remember, there is no uh, off days in between of this series. So you're going to have to either have your three, four, and even five starters pitch in this series if it gets that far. So I'm not confident in the Yankees starting pitching. I'm going to go with the stunner and go with the Tampa Bay Rays Winning this series, I'm going to go Rays in five because I don't think the Yankees' fifth starter will be up to task. So that's what we got, folks, brewing right now over in the American League from Isaiah. Some thoughts here. Christy Wilson first writes in. These playoffs should be fun as we, in fact, get moving into round number two. Uh, also, Angel, want to respond real quick about that petition that we were talking about with the Lakers, Isaiah. He said there are two types of Laker fans. If you're a true Laker fan, you'll take the W. Other Laker fans treat uh, treat a under 10 wins like a loss. Definitely agree uh, for sure. 
And also Angel says, I hope that the neutral site is just for the season. I think it's going to be just by virtue of, again, the pandemic and, again, all the uh, things going on right now uh, with the entire uh, pandemic crisis right now, of course, grappling the nation and, of course, grappling the world as well. Uh, with that, uh, Isaiah, I'll start with New York and Tampa. Now, again, I really like Tampa Bay because I think they have the edge in pitching in regards to Blake Snell, Charlie Morton, who's been around the block a time or two with his time in Houston and other aspects of it as well. And also Tyler Glass now throwing in game number two. So definitely, I think that Tampa has the edge there. My only concern, though, is can the Rays pitchers keep this potent Yankee lineup off the bases in regards to Judge Stanton, Aaron Hicks, DJ LeMahieu, uh, who I believe became the first player in, I think, either recently or for a long time to win a batting title in both the National and American League. And also, of course, the Yankee pitching has been very suspect or below par in my mind. So I'll go with Tampa Bay to win it, but probably goes five, I would agree. Then with Oakland and Houston, I, I think probably Isaiah, much like Padres Dodgers, probably the best one to watch out in regards to hostility and tension, you know, cutting it with a knife, though. I'll roll with Oakland and four because of the prospects of the pitching with Houston. As you said, though, minus Granke not throwing in game one or game two, Houston, is, I think, is setting themselves up for disaster. And also, we have seen, though, Isaiah, that Dusty Baker is not a great manager either in the playoffs. You've seen this in, uh, time and time again with the Giants in 2002. We have seen this in uh, Chicago in 2003 and other uh, with Washington as, as early as 2012. And that Baker, in my mind, is unable to really get a grasp on running a bullpen in the playoffs. I think the rate. I think uh, I think the main reason why Isaiah, I'm not really fond of Baker in the postseason, is more so. I think back to 2002, how he totally mismanaged the giant bullpen against the Anaheim Angels in the 2002 World Series, mainly Game Six and Game Seven, but mainly Game Six though, because Russ Ortiz was out there throwing a gem. Went to the bullpen and the Angels got three runs off of Felix uh, off of um, Felix Rodriguez and then got two more off their closer Rob Nen to go ahead in Game Six and, the, and then also as well Levon Hernandez was probably the worst option for Game Seven and he went out there and of course coughed it up to give the Angels their first World Title in franchise history. So I'm going to go with Oakland over Houston and Tampa Bay over the Yankees. Mainly, I think it boils down to pitching and I think defense also makes this one boil down as well. Uh, some thoughts here, real quick. Uh, James has got Oakland and Tampa in his first round. Uh, Angel is going to go with Rays, A's, and the ALCS in his mind. Casey has the Rays in five and winner of the series. I think it comes out of the AL, uh, and I think the Rays pitching is better than the Yankees. I definitely agree for sure. Uh, pitching is going to be a very big microcosm uh, in the entire postseason. And also, Casey says, for God's sakes, I want Oakland. I do not want to see the Astros celebrate again at Dodger Stadium. And also, um, let's see, uh, Casey says, also, Callan, don't forget that he also sucked with the Reds as well, 2011, 2010, 2011. Definitely agree as well. And then also, Angel is uh, saying, Padres, Dodgers, must watch series. With that, Isaiah, over in the National League, they're playing their games in Houston and in Arlington, Texas, Marlins, Braves, Padres, Dodgers in the upcoming series here, as mentioned, the Marlins and Padres, both of their postseason uh, runs. Uh, moving on, after a 14- and 17-year wait for both the Friars and the Fighting Fish down there in Miami. Um, Isaiah, uh, first up, man, let's go with the Marlins and Braves here again. This is probably for Braves fans. Retribution, hopefully, for the 1997 NLCS where the Marlins won it uh, and, of course, beat the Indians for the world title in Game 7 at Pro Player Stadium, led by Jim Leland. 
that season. Isaiah, overall thoughts on this first series, uh, Marlins, Bravos, NLE showdown between the Fighting Fish and the Atlanta Braves. Callan, you ready to uh, walk off the set? What do you got for me? This is exactly why. You see my nickname down below over there? The Asian Skip Bayless. This is why I get paid to be the Asian Skip Bayless. I'm going to stun the world right now. I'm going to go with the Miami Marlins in five games because there's just something about this Miami Marlins team where every time you count them out, they prove you wrong and, you know, they come out and stun the world and win the series. We all the, Everybody expected the Marlins to lose to the Cubs. What do they do? They go into Wrigley and stun the world and shut out the Cubs and win the series against the Chicago Cubs. I know Atlanta has a very potent offense, but this Marlins team kind of reminds me of the 2010 San Francisco Giants. You know, I know, Callum, you don't like, like that team because they what they did to your Padres. But this Marlins Fair team – Fair comparison, though. Fair comparison, though. Yeah, because they – they have great pitching, you know, led by Sixto Sanchez, who was amazing in that uh, game against the Chicago Cubs. Their lineup, uh, they're filled with a bunch of outcasts and young players, but they always seem to step uh, step right up to the plate and deliver in clutch moments. And their bullpen has been very good thus far in the postseason, and their bullpen is filled with a bunch of veterans who have been there done it and also a bunch of outcasts as well and their manager don mattingly is just pushing the right button so i think this marlins team and i've said it before i think this marlins team is up for a cinderella run into these playoffs i'm going to go with the marlins to pull off the upset against the braves in five games i'm going to roll with atlanta still by virtue of their offense i think that their achilles heel no pun intended about mike soroka's injury but their achilles heel is going to be their pitching and their starters at least i do like max freed and ian anderson though but it would not surprise me one damn bit though if these marlins the bottom feeders as they're calling themselves now because of the comments made i believe by the phillies broadcast team earlier in the season calling them bottom feeders earlier in the year and they made shirts out of it much like we did with slam diego here with the padres uh, but the Marlins, they've never lost a playoff series. They're 7-0 and all time in the postseason. And both times they've been in the postseason, they've won the whole kit and caboodle. So it would not surprise me if Atlanta was to falter again to Miami. But I still like the Braves. I love their lineup, though. But can their pitching hold up, though, in the series? I would think that'd be the biggest um, strike against the Braves. I'll still roll with Atlanta. I'll go with the Braves in four uh, at this rate. But again, it would not surprise me, though, if, in fact, the Marlins do, in fact, pull off the upset victory. At this time, uh, Angel is going to roll with the Dodgers and Braves in the NLCS. Good observation there. Excuse me. Also, uh, Christy says Padres Dodgers should be a great series. Uh, Casey's got his Dodgers in four and the Bravos in five. But it would not surprise me, though, if the Marlins pull the upset over the uh, Braves. Uh, I would agree. Again, I, I think, honestly, with this one, Isaiah... You shouldn't be surprised, man, because the Marlins have never lost a playoff series. It probably doesn't, in fact, end, though. But, hey, you probably can't bet against that hot hand right now. They're 7-0 all-time in franchise history when they're in the postseason. Yeah, plus it's the playoffs. You know, we've seen a lot of crazy stuff happening. Like, who would have thought coming into the postseason that the Astros, who finished the season with a losing record into the playoffs, who were terrible pitching-wise, would go into Minnesota and shut out the Twins, one of the hottest offenses in the league. So, 
you know, the baseball playoffs, that's why I say it's the best playoffs in all of sports because it's just filled with so much unpredictability. And that's why um, I like I wouldn't be surprised if the Marlins do, in fact, beat the Braves and upset the Braves. And with that, Isaiah, the final series, of course, the San Diego Padres and the Los Angeles Dodgers, the two best teams in the entire National League. Separated, of course, by 120 miles here in Southern California. Three hours if you're lucky with traffic. And, of course, uh, a very entertaining regular season series in favor of the Dodgers. Six games to four this year. But, Isaiah, there are two main players the Padres have to really worry about by virtue of batting average. That is Mookie Betts and Chris Taylor. Betts at 429 versus San Diego this year while Taylor was at, a, was at a 353 clip. But other than that, though, Isaiah, no other Dodger batter really had a very good season against San Diego pitching this year. However, though, Isaiah... That is where I think the line is drawn in my mind is the Padres starting pitching being their biggest question mark still heading in to game one on Tuesday, which I think is probably why, even as much as, as I don't want to say it, though, but I think that's why the Dodgers have the edge over the Padres because they have their starters healthy and ready to roll, though, with them already having Bueller set for game one, Kershaw going in game two, nothing further after game two, though, but the Padres still have some issues in the, uh, in the uh, rotation, at least. And again, it just, it just doesn't give me a very good feeling that the Padres may have to, in fact, roll out five straight bullpen days to stand a chance against the Dodger offense. And again, I know that Betts and Taylor have had big years against San Diego. Of course, Betts had a three-homer game earlier in the season against San Diego up in Los Angeles. Uh, and of course, Chris Taylor has been a very big thorn in the side of the Padres over the course of the year. But other than that, though, Isaiah, I think the Padres may have a very small chance because outside of Betts and Taylor, the Dodger offense has really not hit Padre pitching all that well this season, including Max Muncy, who's got a 125 average against San Diego on the season. And also as well, Jock Peterson is also hitting about 207 on the year. So a lot of guys, Isaiah, other than Betts and Taylor, are not really hitting Padre pitching so well at this juncture. But at the same time, though, I do, in fact, think that the Padres do stand a chance because of how they played the Dodgers in the regular season. Now, again, I know that the postseason is a whole other animal with the Dodgers being there the, uh, the past eight straight years and the Padres getting back there for the first time in 14 seasons. But as Ric Flair said, Isaiah, uh, but as Ric Flair said, Isaiah, to be the man, you've got to beat the man. I know we've had a lot of, you know, mudslinging and trash talk, which I don't, you know, uh, condone or endorse or take part in between both of these ball clubs or fan bases in general. But Isaiah, get your popcorn ready, get the pizza, get the beer. It's going to be a fun five-game series, hopefully. But Isaiah, I still think that the uh, Dodgers get the uh, get my vote of confidence, mainly because I'm only saying it because I don't think the Padres could afford to have five consecutive days of throwing out the bullpen. It, it could work for one day, but not five consecutive days against this Dodger offense, man. But uh, give me your thoughts on this series between the Padres and the Dodgers, where I believe that Angel said on Saturday – Whoever wins this series is probably going to win the National League championship in his mind. Callan, I went to San Diego last week. I had a great time. You know, the city was amazing. Gorgeous weather. Um, beach every single day. Everybody was so nice. So it really pains me in my heart for me to have to pick against the people of San Diego and the San Diego Padres because I went to their ballpark. It was absolutely gorgeous. And I know we have a lot of um, people from San Diego that are watching the show right now. But 
I got to go with the Dodgers, man. And it's because of what you said, the pitching. The, they both have a very good lineup. The Padres led by Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer, Will Myers, and you go on and on and on. And then the Dodgers, Mookie Betts, Chris Taylor, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger. It's going to come down whoever pitches better. And with Mike Clevenger out, the Nelson Lamette out, and you're going to have to throw probably Chris Paddock maybe in game one and Zach Davies. Chris Paddock did not look good whatsoever against the Cardinals. And who knows, you might have to, for the rest of the three games, after Paddock and Davies, you might have to go to a bullpen game the rest of the way. I just think it's too tall of a task to ask of the Padres bullpen, considering the fact that you're going to be pitching on uh, five consecutive days and uh, you're not going to be able to use some relievers if you do, in fact, do three uh, bullpen games. So I got to go with the Dodgers. I think they have uh, the better pitchers, and that's going to be the reason why they win the series. Yeah, I mean, that's why the Dodgers are getting my vote. However, though, folks, uh, some news that has come out, though, from Arlington, uh, much like what happened before the postseason, but Mike Clevenger did throw a bullpen Earlier on Sunday for workout day in full uniform, did feel good, though. So his status is still up in the air. But but at the same time, though, Isaiah, again, you know, I, I don't know, though, if, in fact, that Jace Tingler has gotten enough credit from national media or the parties have gotten, you know, or the parties have gotten their fair share of respect. And I know that you have to earn that, though, as, in fact, that the uh, as your playoff run concludes or goes on. Uh, just by virtue of what was, you know, pretty much said all about the Cardinals on the uh, national broadcast over the past three games with St. Louis, though. But at the same time, though, if the Padres do have Clevenger and Lamette or one of the two, I think the Padres have a puncher's chance. As Christy said, she gives the Padres a fighting chance in the series. But at the same time, though, if Chris Paddock is out there game one, the Dodgers have been his giant or his biggest hurdle to jump over, and he has not sadly been able to jump over that hurdle yet. Uh, and also the home run has plagued him all season. Uh, of course, game one against the Cardinals, with that two-run homer hit by former Diamondback Paul Goldschmidt uh, nonetheless. So in a roundabout way, Isaiah, look at it this way. I know you're probably not allowed to do this when you make a selection, but the Dodgers win the series in my mind if Clevenger and Lament are not healthy, probably in four. But if Clevenger or Lamette is able to throw, then I think the Padres win the series if they're able to have Clevenger and Orlam. If they get one of those guys in the rotation, the whole I think the whole series changes in regards to how, in fact, momentum may go. Maybe you save Clevenger somewhere in the, you know, maybe in your in your hand of cards. If you're playing poker, you kind of keep him maybe as like a third option or a uh, or a two option. And especially two as well. I do think though that that the one minor pitching issue I would see though, Isaiah, in my mind is Walker Bueller. He's been dealing with a lot of very you know, severe blisters on his fingers. They have not looked good over the past several days. And even in that game that he threw against Milwaukee, man, that could be a factor in regards to how, in fact, he may you know, last in regards to uh, you know, starting the game. And also, as well, Isaiah, the bullpens may, in fact, win this series because, as, as we have, as we have uh, talked about, Isaiah, the Padre bullpen has gotten a lot better ever since the start of, uh, the, start of the year. And also, Isaiah... As usual, there's a lot of question marks in that L.A. bullpen right now. So, Isaiah, does it boil down more so in your mind to starting pitching in the series or relief pitching for how the series might go? I think it boils down more towards relief pitching because the Dodgers pitching, like the starting pitching can go really good. 
But let's say they last only like five innings because the Padres grind out at bats and, you know, make them work and they get them out of the game because of the pitch count in like the five or the sixth inning. And then you that's where you feast on the bullpen. The Dodgers bullpen, especially the back end of the bullpen, has not been good all year. Uh, Trinan has had his struggles. Jansen has had his struggles. So that back end of the bullpen is going to be a big question mark for Dave Roberts and his coaching staff. But I think also if the Padres manage to win at least one game, if they manage to win the first two, one of the first two games of this series, then all the pressure will go on the Dodgers because the Padres coming into the season, nobody expected them to get to this point where the Dodgers, everybody expected them to get to the World Series. And the Dodgers, if they lose one of the first two games, there's going to be doubts in their head and there's going to be uh, a thought that creeps in like, oh my gosh, we are about to choke it once again, just like we've done the last three years. So the Padres have got to win at least one of the first two games to so you can put all the pressure on the Dodgers and maybe making them think that this is deja vu all over again. I mean, I'll say it too. I think the Padres are pretty much Isaiah. They're playing with nothing to lose and they've got house money and they're all in. Cause I think, you know, of course, especially if you bring up the Cardinals in the postseason again, like, Oh no, for the fourth time again, we have to play the Cardinals, but yet they jumped over that hurdle for the first time in their franchise history getting uh, finally past St. Louis. But however though, Isaiah, I still think the Dodgers are favored, but again, though, I think it boils down though to, for in my mind, the Padres win the series that they have Lament and uh, Lament and or Clevenger, and if the Dodger bullpen reverts to old habits as it has been in the past, but I still think that the Dodgers win the series though. But it probably goes four, it probably even goes five. But I think more so, it relies on if the Padres have starting pitching at their disposal, and if not, it might be a very short, um, short series. But at the same time, though, Isaiah, the Padres are playing at uh, in Arlington, where of course unwritten rules went to die. That is true, man. That is true. But I also want to uh, respond. I think Christy Wilson had a comment about uh, respect in baseball. Um, I don't know uh, what it exactly was. Um, I'm trying to look at it right now. But uh, it was – I need to tear Major League Baseball apart, man. Like the Oakland A's this year were the second-place team in the American League – uh, in the American League, they won the American League West, and for you to put them each game at the 1 p.m. Uh, time zone and not even give them any prime time slots is just a disgrace whatsoever. Like I know the Yankees and the Dodgers are your biggest draw, but come on, man. The the A's did. They had a great season. They looked like one of the best teams in baseball throughout the season. And for you not to give them any disgrace, I mean, not to give them any attention on prime time, it's shame on you, baseball. Absolutely shame on you. I mean, we were, we, the Padres, were ripped to shreds on national television over our three game set. So I feel your pain. And thankfully, we have at least, I mean, I know we have a Dodgers play by play voice, Joe Davis, doing, uh, doing the Padre Dodgers series. But he's one of the most respectable guys with Fox and with the uh, the telecast. So I have all the faith in Joe and AJ Przinsky to have a very good telecast throughout the course of the Padre Dodgers series. Uh, so much love and respect for Joe and what he's done with Fox and with every other sporting calls. Uh, James, pretty simple. He says beat LA. I sure hope so. But man, I, I, like I'll say it again. I think it just really in my mind boils down to how in fact the Padre pitching will be for the starters at least. Angel says uh, no one expected the Marlins to beat the Cubs much less sweep them in the NL wild card series. 
Angel says, well, he grew up in Chula Vista and visits his family in San Diego and TJ and he grew up with the Padres. He's got to go with his hometown Dodgers. Uh, Steven via the network page is comparing the Padres to Rocky Balboa. Just refuses to go down. Much respect to the Padres. Uh, as mentioned, Christy is going to give the Padres a fighting chance. Believe me, folks, I believe in my ball club. But again, at the same time, when you may have to roll out the bullpen five straight days mm -hmm. against the most potent in offense in baseball, holy cow. I, that's a very Herculean task in my mind. But believe me, folks, I, I believe in, in the Padres. I'm keeping the faith. But at the same time, whew, we'll see how it goes. But again, if, if, if they have Clevenger and Lamette, whole other story. If they have one of those two guys, this could be a very... Very intriguing series. And I think the Padres may actually win the damn thing if they actually have one of those two guys on the mound for the Friars. And also, real quick, Steven says that SD is the best city in America. We don't call it America's finest city for no reason. That's why it's, it's that's why it is our given nickname. Angel yeah. says, real quick, Isaiah. That's why I'm proud to say San Diego is my adopted hometown. Just like in Cheers, everyone knows your name. And also, Angel says, as long as uh, as long as Tingler does not throw Junior under the bus again. I respect uh, Jason. And, you know, Isaiah, I know a lot of people came down hard on Jace Tingler after that uh, press conference. But you got to remember here, folks, that this is a rookie manager leading a very tortured franchise to their first playoff berth in 14 years. They literally just won their first playoff series since I was four freaking years old, 22 years ago. So, Isaiah, you know, I, I, I've cut him some slack ever since. I know that a lot of Padre fans were very pissed off about that. But at the same time, this is a rookie manager, man, still learning on the fly during a shortened season, a global crisis on top of it. And, man, he's got to this ball club to, for one, first playoff berth in close to in over four, in 14 years. And, oh, by the way, their first playoff series victory, also further against their longtime playoff nemesis. And, oh, by the way, in 22 years, I would think it'd be, it's time to cut him some slack. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, uh, considering all the circumstances that he's had to deal with, uh, he's done a phenomenal job. I think he should be up for uh, Rookie of the Year. And, you know, the whole thing about him throwing Tatis under the bus, I think, you know, Jace Tingler knows Chris Woodward from his days working as the Rangers bench coach. So, uh, he, like, they're friends. So I think he was just trying to uh, do the classy thing and just apologize and not upset his friend and ruin the friendship between those two. So I think that's all that was. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, Jace poked some fun at him when he said, like, the the next day, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I forget what he said, though, but he kind of laughed at himself, though, about what he said. So, I mean, cut the guy some slack. He's probably going to win manager of the year, in my mind, honestly. So, uh, no need to hate on the perhaps future manager of the year uh, in the National League. Uh, real quick, the poor results about that NBA question real quick came in. Also a tie between Butler and Pierce for 50-50. Uh, Angel, Isaiah agrees with you. Hate that. Uh, he hates that, uh, the idea they should rotate. So every series has a primetime game. They should do that, but I think they're just based on perhaps the, uh, I mean, it could be a lot of factors with Fox, it could be factors with the, uh, I mean, I, there's so many factors with television. It's beyond ridiculous. And Casey agrees. Joe Davis needs to become the number one guy for Fox and get rid of Joe Buck. I mean, look, I know people have their thoughts about Joe Buck. But, folks, he's going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and in the – and I think he's in one more Hall of Fame, I want to say, alongside his dad. I mean, I, I know it's probably bland and boring, but at the same time, when you're on a national broadcast, folks, if anyone knows anything about broadcasting, you have to be as neutral as possible when you are a part of a national broadcast team. And I personally don't mind Joe Buck. I know he gets on people's nerves. But at the same time, it's like, really? It's like it's a tired argument, I think, wasting your energy 
criticizing the broadcasting now again because I know of course that that this happened in San Diego, but you know rightfully so with the uh, Cardinals and the um, I, uh, and uh, the Cardinals and Padres Isaiah what he got for us. I just want to say I really wish that Al Michaels, the legendary broadcaster for NBC, would somehow be allowed to go to Fox or ESPN and do some baseball games because I've listened to Al Michaels doing baseball games back in the 80s and the early 90s. He was phenomenal. So I, I know, like, you know, right now he's like 82 and doesn't want to probably travel all over the place. And because considering the fact that he's already doing NFL games, but if he were to do baseball games, that would be amazing. Uh, we'll see what happens. That would be nice. So we'll see how things go. Uh, Christy further agrees. Joe Buck annoys me regardless of what sport he's calling, football or baseball. I think he even tended to do, uh, I think he even did some golf recently too for Fox as well. Uh, Angel says, uh, see, Padres, this is what uh, happens when you don't treat your roster like Don Russ baseball cards. That's going way back in time right there. My goodness gracious. And also, uh, Angel says, the only problem he had real quick uh, with uh, Tingler was the Padres were up by 10. Uh, that's why, uh, uh, lead, why is your best player still playing? Uh, with the Padres bullpen at that time being terrible, every lead or every run matters at that time. And also credit to the Rangers for perhaps just throwing behind Machado. At the same time, though, Slam Diego was born against the Rangers, so I don't feel any sympathy for Chris Wood, uh, Woodward. And also, like I said, though, as well, folks, the Padres are tired of, uh, of you, of, of uh, baseball fans, and tired of people uh, making them the doormat for the last several years. And it's time that we kind of go like this for once here in San Diego. So let us enjoy ourselves here for the first time in over 14 and 22 years. And also Christy says, um, or actually um, Angel says my problem with Joe Buck is he collects jobs like baseball cards. Fox has a lot of great other announcers outside of him. And also Christy says Al Michaels has been brilliant for a long time. Of course, I think I, I wasn't alive though, but obviously remember him calling the Miracle on Ice in 1980 when the Team USA beat the Soviets in uh, the Olympics in hockey. And mostly Angel was thinking about the 93 Padres that sold off Gary Sheffield and Fred McGriff uh, to get some guy named Trevor Hoffman. Turned out, turned out pretty well eventually, but yeah, not a very good time in Padre history. Uh, with that, though, folks, when I'll segue and uh, wrap up the show here with tonight's final thoughts. Rough day if you're a uh, Bears fan or a Niners fan or a Lakers fan, folks. We'll be diving down to final thoughts of the show here again, folks. Uh, one who was usual. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight and uh, things of that nature. Uh, with that, Isaiah, we'll go to you for your final thoughts for the night show. My final thoughts is, you know, I want to thank everybody for uh, coming out and uh, watching the show today and supporting us. Uh, if, you know, if our show was like kind of really sad for you, I'm sorry about that. It's just that me and Callan's team has really disappointed us a lot today. Um, but, you know, it was a great show. Thank you to everybody once again for tuning in. But I want to talk about something that was kind of like slipped under the rug uh, we didn't really get into and that is a tweet that i saw earlier today which was the massive mega fight between manny pacquiao and conor mcgregor is reportedly very close to being signed and like they're reportedly going to do the fight on either january or february of 2021 listen man <laughs> Thank you.
Callan, what a way to end the year, man. I mean, 2020 has already been really loony and insane as it is, but we're going to end the year with Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather, and then we're going to start 2021 with McGregor versus Pacquiao. What a way to start uh, end and start another loony year, but – I hope it happens because I will really be interested for the uh, entertainment of the fight. You know, Manny Pacquiao is not really a guy that, um, you know, takes trash talk like Floyd Mayweather and, you know, brings it back to Conor McGregor. So the press conference might be dull. But, hey, Manny Pacquiao is 40 years old. And Conor McGregor, even though he's only fought in the UFC, he's real like he's younger than um, Pacquiao and he has – uh, knockout power in that left hand and you know one punch like we saw in the Pacquiao Marquez fight one lucky punch and there could be an upset of the century so uh, I'm not gonna say McGregor is gonna win the fight but I hope it happens and I would definitely tune in for the fight and last but not least ladies and gentlemen make sure you guys vote McClurg Leong 2020 we will really appreciate your support Oh, my goodness gracious. Got to love the uh, very quick work of Isaiah Young designing that shirt for the program. A uh, couple more thoughts rolled in. Um, Christy says that Mayweather Paul fight is happening. Face palm, face palm, face palm. Uh, you know, torture. It's just torture, torture, torture uh, with that. Uh, folks, I wanted to kind of clarify my comments a bit earlier, just a, a bit ago here. I mean, I didn't want to like single-handedly or point like single people out about uh, the remarks about the Padres in regards to how they played this year. You know, like I said, though, folks, the Padres have been, you know, uh, a doormat for the past several years. Though. And I know that people probably are not fans of the antics of the bat flips and the whole uh, thing that they do. But honestly, you know, we can let football players celebrate a touchdown. We can let a basketball player celebrate a dunk, but we can't let baseball players, any baseball player, not just the Padres, but any baseball player not celebrate a home run. Please let the kids play. That's all safe for it. And, you know, show some emotion out there. But I didn't want to uh, come out here and say I was uh, pointing out anyone in the comment box or anyone out there. But it's just more so of a pent up argument and frustration that a lot of Padre fans have had, though, is why are we being singled out for celebrating when we've seen other ball clubs do this in some capacity over the past several years? And I know it's all about act like you've been there before. Well, we haven't been there before. And we're going to be doing this throughout the remaining part of the next several years. Uh, with that in mind, uh, Isaiah, we'll, we'll go back over to you. What do you got to add? One last thing is, you know what would make 2020 and 2021 even more loony is if we get an Isaiah Leon versus Floyd Mayweather fight on Christmas Day. What? Hey, I wouldn't be down. Hey, I, I wouldn't. I, I would be down to fight Mayweather, Triple G, Canelo. Sign me up. At least I get that hundred million dollar paycheck, and I would donate the funds to the network. <laughs> Oh my goodness gracious! I don't, I don't know about that one, big fella. I, I really don't. Uh, you, like I said, you may have a better f a chance beating Logan Paul than you of fighting Floyd Mayweather or Pacquiao or anyone else like that. Uh, but my final thoughts, folks. Again, like I said, I, I didn't want to sound like I was single-handedly pointing anyone out, uh, whether it's uh, anyone in the comment box or even uh, with with John and Case being, being Dodger fans. That it was not meant to be directed at anybody. Just more so of some pent up frustration that myself and other Padre fans have felt like we are kind of in a way being singled out because of the bat flips and the whole ordeal about celebrating. When again, we can let other, you know, other sports can celebrate scoring plays or big plays, but baseball players in general, and I'm talking about other ball clubs, but baseball players can't celebrate hitting a home run. 
tired argument, move on, let the kids play, and let's have some emotion being shown, especially in the postseason. It's hard to kind of, in a way, keep that, you know, pent up inside when you have a big moment, and especially in a game going on uh, as well. And quickly, uh, Angel says he blames ESPN. If it was the Yankees doing that, they would feature it on SportsCenter. Also, so would Brian Kenny, now currently over on the MLB Network. And uh, Chardal says that I would make a great president as they would be a wonderful VP, maybe not that, maybe governor, perhaps, and lieutenant governor. I would probably go for that more so. Uh, but Isaiah, but more so, uh, Isaiah, what do you think, though, about Angel? I think it's a very good point, though. Blaming ESPN and the networks for more so showing all this more so, and that's what I think is probably a tipping point for a lot of baseball fans, is that more so they make their, that maybe ESPN and sports networks are making it a much bigger deal than it probably is uh, in your mind. Yeah, you know, I think that, um, I think, for me, I think it's just about like your team. You know, the Yankees are the big market team. The Red Sox are the big market team. The Phillies are the big market team. If they did that, I don't think anybody would care. I think people would actually love it if they did that. But it's San Diego and, you know, the Padres haven't really been relevant in a long time. So I just think that, you know, people don't like change. You know, it's the same thing when the remember when the Astros were uh, really bad for a long time and they all of a sudden became really good and people started hating on the Astros because uh, they didn't like change. It's the same thing. Definitely agree. By the way, Chardal says that he would get knocked out in the first two rounds by Floyd. And sadly, Angel agrees with Chardal. So I don't think I don't think you have any chance. And also, real quick, uh, Angel says, glad the Padres are having fun, though. They have the city to themselves, and they do, in fact, do so. Uh, but again, folks, like I'll say one more time, but again, that was not directed towards anyone that's a Dodger fan or anyone out there with my comments about you or anyone like that. That was just more so, again, some frustration that has been felt here in San Diego for the past, uh, throughout the course of a season again. And I know that probably it was, I don't want that to be, you know, uh, rubbed the wrong way, but just more so. It's been some frustration that we've had here because, you know, we're finally, you know, finally have a winning product on the ball field that we're told not to celebrate or enjoy ourselves here in uh, in San Diego. But again, that was not directed towards Angel, towards uh, Casey, or even towards John. I know that John's had his thoughts about the Padres, but not directed towards any of my, Dodger fans or fellow fans out there or friends out there, just more so we've, uh, us folks here in today have had some frustration over the past uh, several months with the season. And also Casey says, uh, fellas, another great show and have a great week, everyone. And look forward to tuning in uh, with more thoughts next weekend. Uh, Casey, we'll do this again on Tuesday uh, as well. Again, uh, we'll have more uh, about this on Tuesday. But of course, folks, plenty more coverage, though, starting on Monday. Here's your full slate, folks, again, as usual of network programs every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, programming folks every single weekday and day for that matter across your week in sports. Wild Sports Talk with myself, Isaiah, and John Mathis back on air on Monday and Wednesday. The Night Shift, this program is back on air on Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday. And of course, fan response with Steve and Ryan on Thursday. And No BS featuring myself, Isaiah, Trevor Williams, and Perman, the Laker Lee on Friday. And that, folks, is our usual lineup. And of course, folks, as usual, a sincere thank you to all of uh, our viewers, as usual, for your input and for your support. Again, we folks, again, cannot thank you guys enough for, uh, again, tuning in and for, again, having, I don't know, Isaiah, but, you know, you said it best, though, on Saturday. I have not seen a live chat box this jam-packed for a while here, and it's been this way for the past several weeks. And, again, yeah. it really is awesome to see all of your loyal support, folks. So, again, we thank you all dearly. Before we back close out, Isaiah wants to make one final point before we back cut out. Isaiah, what do you got for us? Yeah, I just want to tell the viewers out there that um, I'm going to be joining Fan Response with Stephen and Ryan full time uh, on a permanent basis. So make sure you catch me, 
Ryan and Steven. We're gonna have a lot of hot debates, maybe probably about Nick Mullins, because I said a lot of you know crazy stuff and Ryan disagreed with me. But catch me, Ryan and Steven on fan response uh, every Thursdays at uh, either 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. Pacific time. Yeah, that schedule might be wrong, folks. We'll reevaluate that. As mentioned, we've been shuffling some of the times around, but again, folks. Uh, full menu of programming starting again tomorrow on Monday, as mentioned, WST. Getting back on air, of course, with myself, Isaiah, and John Mathis. And then also, as well, uh, fan response on Thursday. The night shift is back on Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday next week. And also, as well, we'll have no BS on Friday. Uh, also, real quick, Shardal, with one more comment here at the final buzzer. Would be a much better fight. Uh, I, uh, I would be a much better fighter who would face off against Floyd in a octagon for UFC. Ugh, my goodness gracious. I, I know that I think McGregor challenged Floyd to a uh, UFC match. And also, Angel says, you guys are welcome. See you on Tuesday. And we'll have plenty more folks as mentioned when we get back here on Monday. But again, folks, for Isaiah Leung, for shareable Stephen Wang, and for the entire cast and crew here on the MI6 Sports Network, we thank you folks again so much for tuning in and for joining us here tonight. On this Sunday evening, again, folks, hopefully it was a victory day for uh, any of your favorite sports clubs today. We'll get back on track starting on Monday with uh, Wild Sports Talk and, of course, rolling on throughout the remainder of the week. And again, folks, we thank you all so damn much. Cannot say it enough, folks. But again, thank you all so much for tuning in and for your input and for your thoughts and for tuning in and for supporting the uh, supporting the number. And again, folks, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, on your podcast app as well. With that, folks, take care. Have a great rest of your night. And, of course, a, a great start to your week on Monday. Till next time, folks, have a good one. Sayonara. Bye-bye.